A mysterious red dust appears. Is it an archetype? What is an archetype? Does anyone really know? And does anyone really care? It's time for Godzilla Singular Point. Welcome back to the Monster vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing episodes one through seven of Godzilla Singular Point. I, I do think people care about archetypes, Alex, just to be clear. They care, <laughs> but do they care? But do they matter? <laughs> Have they cared before or only they only caring now because they're, they're told to care? Yes. Do archetypes <laughs> exist in real life? I'm sure we're getting Twitter messages right now that I've answered this or I've asked this question out loud. Henry has already sent me four messages. Uh, he's he's probably just like psychically reading my mind right now and about to send me a text message mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. archetypes. So. And, and if archetypes exist, do they exist now, later? Have they existed and they exist again? Yeah. What is it? Yeah, exactly. Like we don't, we may not even have the answer because they exist in the future. Mm. But maybe we do already have the answer. We just haven't figured it out yet. It could be locked away, and it is just for us to discover once again. Yeah, we'll discover (laughs) in the singular point, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't know if I I know what a singular point is, but... uh, (laughs) This show well, has a lot to talk about. To episode sure. seven, we don't know what Singular Point is. So this is true. You're, so, you're on track with the show. Yeah, this is true. Uh, <laughs> now, Alex, just to be clear, up here, up front in the episode, we are discussing episodes one through seven. Next week, we'll discuss episodes eight through thirteen, mm-hmm. and we will try to we will keep this spoiler free. We'll keep this spoiler free for it, episodes eight through thirteen. Yeah. We're just focusing in on episodes one through seven, some topics related to episode one through seven. And next week, we'll, we'll vary things up a little bit with the show, uh, maybe add some bonus awards, uh, but we'll discuss the ending of the series. We both watched it once. We're re-watching it again uh, for our episode. But do you want to go ahead and jump in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, and just so it's clear for everybody, we are going to talk about this show like we have not seen the rest of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know we're not spoiling, but that's how I'm, at least that, I don't know about you, but that, that's how I'm going to talk about it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I honestly have tried to block it out. I'm just taking the first half and the second half. We talked about putting it together, but I'm, I'm glad we didn't, Alex, because as I'm looking at this uh, episode, I was just thinking about all the different topics we have to discuss with just the first half. This would have been an, way too long an episode if we tried to to cram the whole thing in, or we just would have overlooked so much. And and we th- we talked about the anime trilogy. We gave four episodes to the anime trilogy. We had each movie and a recap. Um, this has more content than the anime trilogy, so I think two points is just or two episodes, two points. I think two <laughs> two episodes are justified. It can be a dual point, Alex. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but if you listen to them all at once, it's a singular point. There you go. <laughs> cool. <laughs> hey, Eric. Yeah. I've got we we've been putting these off for months. Two okay. reviews from listeners. Oh. Yes. That we go ahead. keep forgetting to talk about. Please. So first one was from uh, Monster Mom eighty four. I want to give you a shout out because I know we we almost put this up once and then we got sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> I've been as she said. Uh, Eric has a great voice and Mons, and it says dot, dot, dot. I'm like, I don't know where this is going. Um, I've been a consistent listener of your show for some months now. It's because of you guys, my husband and I decided to check out the Gamera franchise. My favorite episodes are the ones featuring your wives, which I'm sure they'll be glad to hear. Those are, those are really funny. I love how friendly, friendly, how family friendly the show is, and it's one of the few I have no fear of listening to while in a car with the kids. Keep up the great work. Trying to yeah. stay alive, and oh, I won't say where you are, uh, Becca. <laughs> even though I guess it is public record because people just get the reviews. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, Monster Mom eighty four. I'm glad you went and visited the Gamera franchise, which. Despite um, one of our previous guests, Henry, on our Zegra episode claims, 
Not everybody knew about Gamera. <laughs> true, true. Uh, honestly, Alex, that review right there is honestly kind of it, it tells us what we're like. That's what we're trying to do. So, yes, uh, thank you for listening, and honestly, thank you for leaving that review. And yeah, that's what that's what we're trying to do. I like all those things that that she hit on there. Uh, so thank you again, Monster Mom eighty four. Yeah, and I want to read one more. We got another one that we've been putting off. All right, and it's from the Drift Space. I think we've heard of them before, and we may mm. or may not have shown up on their show before. Um, <laughs> what one of the best kaiju slash monster put? And then this says dot dot dot. So I'm assuming that said podcast or something. podcast of all time. Alex. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. As they said, Alex and Eric's journey from Godzilla 54 to the latest episodes of, of Kong and Pacific Rim is worth listening to for their development alone. Pushing through the entire Godzilla, Gamera, and Kong franchises and briskly paced tight episodes has highlighted some great insights, as most Godzilla-slash-Kaiju-related podcasts usually have. But these two have clearly grown from this entire experience over the last year and a half. It's fun to listen to how their approach to these films have shifted, evolved and changed as they embark on one movie after another featuring giant monsters tossing through skyscrapers. Their personalities are massive and there's no shortage of immediately immediate comedy from it. Now, if only Eric would do an episode dedicated to reevaluating Ghidorah, the three headed monster, we'd all be set. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That's another great review and uh, giving us points for our character development, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe we're somebody's uh, favorite, uh, coolest character. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> love it, love it. Thank you to both of you for leaving that review. Those reviews that that's awesome. Um, yeah, those reviews really help. So if you have been listening for a while and you feel like you've you've gained something from our podcast, just a review, even a review on iTunes, really helps. So thanks again. Yeah, we would like to have as many reviews as we do episodes. And we have 99 episodes right now. <laughs> this is true. We're a little short on reviews. Yeah, we're exactly one-third right now. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, let's, let's get into it, Alex. All right. After releasing first in Japan, Godzilla Singular Point has arrived on our American Netflix shores. Directed by Atsushi Takahashi and written by a literal doctor of physics. Toe and Joe, Singular Point has pleased many fans and confounded others. It's definitely a show to be discussed and analyzed. But first, before we solve the Singular Point, Alex, subs or dubs? Oh, the ancient rivalry continues. (laughs) Subs versus dubs. And I've mentioned it before on some of our other episodes, but... I'm biased because I'm I'm a dub stan. I love dubs. I, I don't get why people dislike them other than, you know, it is the same like 15 to 20 people over and over. But again, I, I think I've said this before as well. I think it's probably the same way in Japan. <laughs> we just can't tell as well because we're not used to that language. But again, I prefer dubs typically unless they're exceptionally bad. And this one, though, is done really, really well. All the voices fit their characters perfectly as far as I'm concerned. Plus, for as heady as this show is with its off-the-wall science and pseudoscience and like everything else, like it's just incredibly dense and sometimes it's delivered in such a rapid-fire manner that it it's just kind of too much to keep up with while reading sometimes mm-hmm. because there's just so much going on that you can't even look at the screen sometimes because they're just throwing so much information at you in the subs so yeah yeah this dub would this dub and me we were happy together <laughs> well i started you? off yeah i started off alex watching the subs the first time through and i wish i had a little bit of that red dust so i could you know peer into the future and see how my experience with the with the dubs would change my viewing experience because i think it helps right yeah like the subs just kind of hurt my experience honestly uh, I'm generally a sub guy. Um, I, I like subs a lot. I think, you know, it's, it's just, it feels a little bit like I might be missing something when I watch the dubs sometimes, even though I'm usually not. I just feel that way. So I'm usually yeah. a subs guy. But here, I feel like I miss so much more 
watching the subs because of all that talking that you mentioned. If your mind wanders to figure out what just happened for just an instant, you've already missed so much more, right? Um, you're so behind. You're so behind. And I do that all the time. Like I do, I do that too. all the time in shows. Is I'm like, man, I've just been thinking about what I just saw for the last minute. And I've just missed everything. And if you do that in this show, you are going to miss things. I miss so many Easter eggs as well, I noticed. Oh, there's um, so many. And we, 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 we oh might, we're going to go over some more Easter eggs and some other stuff in our next episode. Yeah, Thanks for to sure. Kyo Itoshi. Uh, yeah, but yeah. we're gonna save that for next episode. Yeah, but like there, there's one Alex, and and I was watching this. I completely overlooked it the first time on one of the archers' phones. You know the high school archer girls. Yeah, <laughs> um, on one of their phones, there's this cute little like uh, Mogera uh, kaiju drawing, and I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> just yes. small little things like that you just completely overlook whenever you're trying and concentrating so hard. Uh, to read the details, right? Yeah. It's so tricky. But what about the animation style of this show? It does things a little bit differently. Um, so I'm curious, what are your thoughts about the animation style here? Yeah, so uh, overall, I think the style is excellent. What really does this a lot of justice is just the use of colors, which is just like wonderful. And I think a lot of that goes because goes to how these are all shown and they're pro, and how predominantly they're displayed on the members of the Ataki factory, right? Mm-hmm. Those jackets are so cool. <laughs> I oh, want yeah. one because they're so <laughs> awesome. But those vibrant colors are carried out throughout the show, and I, I, lo- I just I love it. You know, there's a lot of visual variety. We're going to urban areas, city areas. Red dust covered areas, the sea, everywhere, and I just like that we're getting all these different settings. All and they're all like in just a small area, really. Yeah. But and then we get like the the facility areas too that are like you know we got bones in there. We've got Mm -hmm. the green monster that's totally not Gabra. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I really like that, and I love the visual style. Really props up these characters that make it just makes them stand out. Uh, you see them once, and you don't lose track of them again. Mm-hmm. That is a problem that we ran into with the anime trilogy. Mm-hmm. Is that art style? They all kind of blended together a little bit. Um, yeah. Now, the one strike against the style is the CG monsters, and uh, the CG that is done for the monsters and Jet Jaguar. It's it is just plain inferior to the hand drawn aesthetic of everything else in this. And I know it's done to save some money. It's kind of hard to keep your scale accurate, probably when you're doing something like that. But even though they are CG, honestly, for the most part, they don't really distract or hurt the experience. Really like Angerous, I don't think it hurts the experience at all. But there are some times, especially I think it's with the reveal of Godzilla, I think it's episode six or seven, you see him swimming from behind. He's already been revealed in one Mm. one episode. This is the second episode to show him from behind. And the the frame is just stuttering. Mm. the, The frame rate is just stuttering. It looks awful. It does not look good, and that's because of the CG monsters, like because their their frames are just a little off compared to everything hmm. else. But other than that, I mean, yeah, there's some weird textures occasionally, like they get stretched when monsters move. But overall, I I, I can't really complain. Yeah, no. Uh, so you wouldn't think that the CG versus the hand drawn would work. That point that you mentioned, I can't I can't remember, Alex, um, where it looks like the frame rate is off, but. It doesn't sound like it's a point where, you know, the CG is coming in contact with like a hand-drawn character, no, which we do not. see sometimes with like Angerus versus, um, you know, Yoon, for example. You yeah. see that CG versus like the hand-drawn character. You wouldn't think that would work, it but does. I actually think <laughs> they pulled that contrast off perfectly and it works thematically for the show. Th- these creatures, they're literally from another dimension, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, right? they are. Uh, yeah. And so they look decidedly different. And that contrast is clearly visible and, and it works because of that difference. I, I think that's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, 
I think there's uh, probably the technical reasons too that you mentioned, <laughs> but yeah. if you need some sort of explanation as to why these monsters look a little bit different, there you have it, right? I think um, it works. It, yeah. it literally works thematically within the story. Um, real quick, the sound design of these creatures is also awesome. I love how they play with those original roars. That's just awesome. Um, and then we have the plot. Let's transition to the plot. Ooh. These first seven episodes, Alex, do you think you can give me just maybe a one or two sentence summary of the plot of the first seven episodes? It's yeah. a challenge, I know. It is a challenge, but if you leave out certain elements, I think you can do it. Okay. Um, a mysterious scientist predicts that monsters from another dimension invade our reality. A paranoid man and his team try to save the day with their robot. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good honestly that is that i i like that um my summary is a bit longer so you beat me in the summary portion uh here's how i would probably summarize it as predicted by a mad scientist years before monsters start appearing after this the discovery of some sort of new molecule that appears as red dust these monsters have different attributes that don't exist in this world because the red dust is unlike anything else that exists in this world. Something ties these creatures together in some way, and some characters are working to try and figure out why these creatures keep appearing and how this dust works. In summary. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, and I think that summary, that's kind of what I'm getting from the show. I think that becomes one of my main critiques of the show. Uh, it's an idea-driven story. The only part where, where, for me in my summary, the characters came in. I like the way that you put it. A paranoid man and his team try to save the day with their robot. <laughs> yeah, that that is good. And that's, that's definitely true. Um, but we have so many characters here. And they're all really kind of just working to figure out what's going on, why it's happening, how this all works. Um, yeah, you've got... Um, some trying to save the day for sure. Uh, but I think that's my, my main issue is I just don't know if we have strong character motivations. You mentioned before that you can just recognize and remember all these characters. And that's certainly true. They have great designs, right? Yes. They have great designs and they're established really, really well right from the beginning. And part of that is just their distinct looks, which, which are awesome. Um, they have great setups, but then, after that, what, what really is Yoon's motivation? What's May's motivation? What's BB's, right? The, the mysterious journalist character, what's his motivation? These motivations might exist. And I, I think there's probably an element of just their passion, especially for like Yoon and May. They just have this like strong passion, <laughs> like yes. scientific passion and drive. That's, yeah. That exists, of course. But is there something a little bit more personal there? And there might be, but it's kind of honestly overshadowed uh, by all the exposition, the scientific and pseudoscientific explanation that they get. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I just think that with all the exposition, I can't make out what their personal motivations are. Yeah, like I, I love the science and stuff in, in this, but it does become so excessive and convoluted that it feels like it's detrimental to our characters. Like I, I would love to get to know these people more. Mm -hmm. Um, but at this point, most of them just seem to have like, kind of like you were saying this passion for science, which is kind of cool. Like that, that seems like a sufficient motivator to me, mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of the characters. But the fact that we've got, I would say at this point, <sighs> For, well, okay, in terms of interacting with the red dust and that type of, and the monsters, we've got three characters that have a passion for science. And that's, mm -hmm. as far as we can tell, the primary motivator. That's May, you, and BB. Mm -hmm. They just seem to really like the science. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That's fine. That, that is fine. Like, honestly... Just because they're driven by science because they're trying to figure out how the world works, you know, yes. which is like what we're all trying to do. And they use science as their vehicle to figure out how the world works. So I understand the motivation, but I'm curious about why they have that motivation, you know, um, yeah. 
That's that's. The I want to see them give their dissertation before. before they got their doctorate. That's <laughs> what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we all definitely need more of. We need more scientific explanations in the show. Yes, yes. That's what everyone is craving. <laughs> so give the Sorry, people I, what they want. Yeah. I cut you off, though, Alex. What were you saying? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, for now, the scientific motivation is enough for me. But there is an asterisk there for now. Hmm. We can't have everyone having the same motivation for... How, I don't even know how long this show's supposed to be going on, so we'll see. But uh, I feel like everything kind of hinges on whenever a true villain shows up. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm really... I'm thinking that's what we're, we're really going to see our characters come alive when a true villain shows up. And I am not talking about any monsters showing up. That's mm-hmm. something else. I want something to antagonize <laughs> Well, we get These that people. journalist in episode seven show up with those bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he definitely is kind of being set up. It seems like through this first half to be that villain, you know? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's some shadiness to him for sure. Um, because, you know, that journalist is, he's immediately suspicious because a, the way he moves, he moves like, no journalist should ever move. He climbs. He's he climbs down so fast, and it's really weird. I was like, okay, well, this is an anime, right? It doesn't have to be realistic. But then, just very shortly after, he hears a gun go off, and he knows what type of gun it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is not most journalists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he always seems to be showing up places. Yeah. So. Something's definitely up with him, but I'm still not even willing to call him a villain or at least an antagonist. I need, I need again, like, yeah, we can have a bad guy, but I need someone to antagonize these mm-hmm. people that are just chasing the science. Yeah. Because I want them to have a little more purpose, even though I, I'm saying like, you know, these are people that feel like they're trying to save the world and solve a big mystery. But I need a more personal stake somewhere, and I'm hoping that someone here provides that. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what goes on. Yeah, we'll next. see. Episode 8 through 13 next week, if one of these characters emerges as the antagonist, if there are any surprises. I think BB has been set up to kind of be an antagonist. He feels, he feels pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> he feels pretty bad. And I love that moment, though, when he kicks that well, I'm just going to go ahead and call it what it is. When he kicks that oxygen destroyer into the, into the dust. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's a great moment. So cool. I love and how he just so stands cool. there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was really cool. It's um, awesome. Yeah. Probably not the wisest decision, but it was really cool nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. He's a little unhinged. Let's just say that. Definitely. I mean, anytime an anime character has, like, sunken eyes a little bit, you yeah. know. You, you know. know. He's a, he, yeah. there's, there's something up with him. Well, it, what's interesting with him <laughs> compared to the other two. So, yeah, if we could, if you mentioned um, May, Yoon, and BB, how they're all driven by this scientific pursuit in different ways, though. You know, like, BB yes. is, is unhinged a little bit, right? Like... He takes a lot of risk. But then the uh, reveal that he has a daughter was like this real humanizing yes, moment for him, yes, too. Yes, exactly, which is really interesting. And it'll be interesting to see how that develops, I think, in the final half of the show. Um, because I did I did recognize that daughter from the, the graphic we got for this show, Alex, and we were trying to predict who these characters were going to be. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't. Yeah, it's it's, it's really. I forgot we did that. Yeah. Oh, we're completely wrong in just about every sort of way. (laughs) But hey, we'll move into our awards now. But real quick before we do that, Alex, for MVM Plus today, we kind of set up your dream podcast. We we have our first ever edition of not Monsters versus Men, but Marvel versus Men, where we review uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Apparently, we're doing that this week, and next week, Marvel vs. Man Part 2, we're reviewing Loki. Uh, so, we'll do both of those over on MVM Plus, which you can find at patreon.com slash mvmpod. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, do know that typically that our uh, bonus episodes and you know this review episode, they're full-length episodes compared to our normal show. So, Oh, yeah. This is so true. For, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full length, full length episodes for sure. That's that's a lot of content, Alex. 
I think it is. <laughs> especially especially for uh, someone who has three kids and someone who has a one kid and a slightly paralyzed dog currently. And hopefully that's changing soon. <laughs> it's a lot of content. That is. Yeah. Yeah. But we pump it out for you. That's what we, we do it for you and not for us at all. <laughs> we gain no benefit. Yeah. Last week's we, MVM- we don't enjoy hey, this at all. No. Last week's MVM Plus <laughs> was not just th- free therapy, Alex. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. You can listen to last week's, which may or may not have been free therapy where Alex and I kind of got at each other a little bit. <laughs> and you can listen to Marvel versus Men over at patreon.com slash mvm5 but yeah. alex awards coolest character award who do you got you know you took mine i'm just mm-hmm. gonna say because that is literally the only option because he's <laughs> incredible so i'm gonna go with the one that everyone seems to like uh based on the look the most and that's Pero too because that little dog is adorable <laughs> well, Pero too uh is that what it's called Oh my gosh, I don't know. Pelops? Pelops too? Pelops. Pero is the Spanish word for dog, so... Is that where I'm getting that from? <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's see. Dog no, that... Yeah, that's an interesting character. For Why sure. did I... That is so bizarre. Why? Pelops too? I did yeah. say Pero too, didn't you I? You don't even speak Spanish. <laughs> no, not really. Not really, no. Um, at, not really, as in at all. Yeah. So, um, Pelops two. Yeah, Pelops two is that adorable dog that is definitely not Pero two. Um, and I, I really just like the character is fun, and the, the program goes above and beyond in like every course of action. And I, I like one of the coolest things I think that Pelops does is. Uh, it goes. It goes ahead and signs its name to May's papers after oh, yeah. it's done organizing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's so interesting, honestly. Pelops two, which by the end of this episodes one through seven, kind of. Well, now Pelops two stays the same, I guess, but the same sort of interface becomes Jet Jaguar, right? Yoon's interface from that same program becomes Jet Jaguar. Isn't that right? Isn't that how that works? Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. That's a, he uses his same program, which was used to create Pelops to, yeah. to create Jet Jaguar. And quite so, yeah. the powerful program, I will say. Right? Like, yes. like there's a whole sort of artificial intelligence, um, sort of question to be raised here, which I think is interesting. And my coolest character, Goro Otaki, of course. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's great. Uh, he actually brings that up whenever – so Jet Jaguar, um, Yoon's AI interface takes over, becomes Jet Jaguar officially and mm-hmm. takes on that name. And then uh, I think it's Goro who orders Jet Jaguar to attack Habaru, uh, the sidekick, Yoon's sidekick guy. Um, and he won't oh, do yeah. it or Jet Jaguar won't do it. And Goro says something about, good, you followed – the first of the three robotic rules or something like yes, that, which is, which is yeah, interesting. I want to know more about that. I'm sure somebody can tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, no, it will, it's, it's that you can't harm, you cannot harm humans. Yeah. So I thought that was the first one. I'm, I, what are the other two? I'm curious. First law, a robot may not injure a human being. Uh, second is a robot must obey the orders given to by human beings, except for where they, uh, Orders would conflict law. with the first law. Yeah. And then third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the second or first law. Nice. Interesting. Okay, cool. I like that. Um, hopefully that's the case for AI in the future, Alex. <laughs> it's most likely like seeing how many faults that we have in our programming all the time. This is, it's going to be most likely a cyberdyne scenario, like Uh, a Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I hope you're right. I think you're right. Um, But yeah, Goro Taki to go back to the coolest character award. Yeah. I mean, how can you, how can you go wrong with Goro? Right. Uh, He's created this organization that, is, he's kind of paranoid, right? He I is paranoid. Like he, crea- he creates Jet Jaguar for an alien invasion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that part. I love that line. In the first episode, Alex, yeah. um, 
someone mentions him and, and talks about how he believes in aliens and underwater societies, right? Yeah, Which is a I throwback. Love utopian yes, yes. Which yeah. I love that. It was so good. <laughs> I was like, so how paranoid is he really? Or does he just have a better grasp on reality than the rest of us in this universe? You know? <laughs> yes. And as far as we can tell, he has a better grasp on reality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, he might he might have an inflated uh, sense of his own abilities, as we see in his command of Jet Jaguar. <laughs> uh, yes. But, Especially the first encounter. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah, I love it. Um, but, yeah, he is definitely the coolest character, I think, of these first uh, seven episodes. Though I do say... I do think that Yoon is also a cool character because mm. he does put himself in some dangerous situations. Um, yeah, he, he risks good. his life just as much as Goro does. Oh, yeah. And and probably without that sort of – it's probably <laughs> – it's a bigger risk to Yoon in a sense because he doesn't have that same sort of self-confidence necessarily. Well, uh, his, yeah. his confidence comes elsewhere, but he doesn't have this like um, – He's not like a macho type of guy. He just feels no. confident that he can do something, you know? Well, he um, he also, honestly, he puts himself in more danger than uh, Goro does because Goro is always in Jet Jaguar whenever yeah. he's doing these things. Goro, the first time he puts himself on the line, is he he's not covered by anything. He just goes and tries to save that kid from a Rodan. Yep. And luckily, yep. he gets saved by Goro. But then he also, when he does fight Angerus, he's on the outside of Angerus. Yeah. He's not inside, or he's on the outside of Jet Jaguar. He's yeah, not on the inside. Commands. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So Yoon was really close for me. Uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to Yoon. May, uh, I think, is also great. I, I like her design as a character. I like her personality. When Yoon and May again, they just suffer a little bit. By not knowing the why behind their motivations, so yeah. but I do like them. She's I, she's cute. She's adorable, right? In her scientific nerdy sort of way. Yeah, um, yeah. she's she's definitely fun to follow. I'm never like bored when we're with her uh, in the show. So that's a good which thing. is saying something because all she does is kind of like sit and talk. It's true for yeah, the most so part. I'm not, so I'm not which bored is by a it. compliment to the. The voice acting and like how interesting what she is saying is is absolutely. Um, there was our first award, Alex. As we kind of got sidetracked, most memorable line award. Uh, <laughs> I'll start with this one. It's from episode six here, and I I love episode six because it starts to bring in some literary references. We get William Blake with the tiger tiger line, and then we mm-hmm. get um, in what, what's what's the scientist's name. Um, mm-hmm. Ashihara, right? Uh, um, it's yeah, Ashihara. Yeah, I think so. The the, the yeah. mad yeah, scientist. Ashihara. Yeah, you know, in his notebook, he has written, um, you know, let's your let your soul stand cool and composed before a million universes, which is Walt Whitman. And then later on, my most memorable line award is Yuki Kanoko, who's that government official. Um. Mm. She's yeah. the younger woman, government official, bureaucrat, who continues that poem. That 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 line from that poem, uh, let your soul stand cool and composed before a million universes, that comes from Walt Whitman's Song of Myself. She continues that poem in reference to uh, this creature that has just been formed, which is Godzilla on shore. And she says, be not curious about God. And the, the military guy, I think it was a military guy that she's talking to, says Revelation. And she goes, no, Walt Whitman, right? Uh, yeah. I, I just think it's is interesting because everyone is curious <laughs> about God. Um, but that that poem in context is actually, it's be not curious about God in like a general sense, in like a theological sense. Be curious about God and the people around you and how God is reflected in the world around you. Which is interesting uh, that she brings up that line. So, yeah. mo- most memorable line. What about you? Whenever I hear Walt Whitman, it's funny. I think about Breaking Bad. <laughs> 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 um, let's see. So, yeah, mine is from Goro in the, I think it's the second episode. Yeah, it is the second episode where he says, Jet Jaguar is a robot we made who's ready to kick some ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> and of course, he gives it his usual gusto. Yeah, uh, like that he gives every single line he delivers. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that leads into your can't believe that voice acting award, Alex. Yeah, uh, that's going to be Keith Silverstein as Goro in the dub. <laughs> he does such a great job. It's part of why the character is so memorable. It's because he is just so energetic and like memorable. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and during the first Rodan fight, he's just reciting lines from <laughs> all these different things while he's fighting. And it's like, I'm not even batting an eye at it. Like, he's just, he's delivering them so well that I'm like, oh, that's not weird. <laughs> Right. He quotes several things there. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's awesome. No, I, I love that part as well. That's a great choice. Um, that's probably, I think, the best performance in the English dub for sure. I actually went with a sub performance, a Japanese performance, and it's Yume Miyamoto as May. Um, mm-hmm. It actually ended up taking me a second to adjust to her English performance, May's English dub. Uh, just because I thought the original was so well done um, with Yume hmm. Miyamoto. It's, it's, it's a little bit different the way that it's portrayed, I think, in the English. Again, I'm not, I'm with you. I'm like, I don't know all the inflections. I don't think with uh, Japanese that I probably should. But there's, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, it feels a little softer, I think, in the sub version Ah, in the Japanese original Japanese. It just took me a second to get used to it because I love that performance so much. So mine is Yume Miyamoto. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty good. Um, Yeah. It's kind of weird because like it it is hard to judge, but then if we watch a film, so much of the acting is delivered via body language that Uh it's not hard to tell at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about your uh, standout animated sequence award? Nice. Uh, well, we already mentioned this one already in our awards, and it's the Angerus versus Yoon fight. Uh, mm. I actually like that one because of the stakes involved. Uh, because Yoon does put himself out there, and everything hangs in the balance for Yoon, literally at the end as he's at the cliff's edge. Uh, Angerus, just in general, we'll, we'll talk more about kaiju's designs next week but i just love angerus's design so yes. uh, I, I love that fight in particular definitely a standout animated sequence uh what about you what about what's your award yeah so i really like the first fight between uh team uh ataki and and rodan i really like the whole sequence but really it's the moment where you is running away from Rodan after having to distract it so that the uh, Jet Jaguar could reboot. And you see him running away and Rodan's pursuing and he, it just out of nowhere, Goro slams his car mm-hmm. into Rodan and it does mm-hmm. that slow-mo. And it's just like that moment. I'm like, I love this man. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, so good. It, it's so awesome. And that, just that whole moment is epic because it feels like they are so out of their depth yeah. when they're doing that fight. Yeah, no, that, that's a good one. Um, what about your, oh, that's a good shot, or I guess with animation, oh, that's a good still award? Uh, uh, so at the beginning of the third episode, there is these pilots are going out because at the end of the second episode ends with a bunch of Rodans coming out of the water. And so the third episode, they've deployed jets and they're flying up up high and there's a cut to one of the pilots. It just shows the pilot looking out, but it's just, all you can see is his green visor and you just see a bunch of Rodans uh, shooting across his visor. And it's just like this really like ominous scene. I just absolutely love it. Once again, Alex, you just like, Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mine is uh, the shot. There, Sorry, there are just too many good. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. There are just too many good epic jet shots with, with uh, Rodan, right? I mean, there are. On. It's true. That's true. There's a lot, aren't there? <laughs> yeah, there oh, are. Oh, man. <laughs> um, mine is that shot of Gabra. As the giant doors, I, I mean, <laughs> what's his name? Salunga, Salunga. Yeah, yeah um, allegedly. 
I, I, allegedly. I, I think we all know the truth on that one. It's yeah. The shot of Gabra as those giant doors, right? I like this this crazy facility with these huge giant contraption. They shut mm-hmm. down towards the center, you know. And it's like these, a missile silo. Yeah, it's a missile silo, basically. They shut down on him and the light grows dimmer and dimmer. BB's looking down on him, right? It's after he's been impaled by the uh, OD. Uh, <laughs> Oxygen destroyer or the orthogonal diagonalizer. Yeah, diagonalizer. <laughs> uh, I guess it is. Even though the orthogonal diagonalizer apparently it's not fully developed, right? Because that's like the third phase right, of well, 13 or something Lee, like that. Lee, Professor Lee does not seem to know that they are further along. That's right. Past the third that's right. stage. She thinks they're just at the third stage, but it's clear that they've already. Apparently they have passed that. That is yes. right. That is right. Um, <laughs> uh, the OD is, is there. It's <laughs> impaled Gabra and the light grows dimmer and dimmer with BB kind of looking down on him. And BB has this menacing look on his face. It almost makes me feel bad for Gabra at that moment. You see the light, because you just know this creature is just driven by whatever makes this creature tick, in a sense. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's, it's not malice. It's instinct. who this creature is. It's instinct. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And you see the light just shut down on him, and he's closed in once again as he was trying to escape. And he's still alive. He's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Great point. He's still alive despite being impaled. Um, it's, not the, it's not the light in his eyes disappearing. It's just the light from above disappearing. As you know, he's just stuck there. <laughs> um, yes. Really, really cool shot. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, so I guess that brings us to our... our I guess just our thoughts on the yeah. first seven episodes. I don't think we're going to give this scores or anything. No, no. We're just going to speak on our thoughts because I, I, you know, we we talked about certain aspects, but this is our chance to talk in general. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I I also think you know thinking about um, the show in comparison with like rating and ranking. How would you rate the first half of this show? I'm not going to give it our normal star rating. I'll tell you how I feel about it in comparison to a couple other things. Um, I think the best episodes so far have been episodes one through three. Um, in, in my immediate write up after I finished the series the first time, I, I think I titled that for better or worse. This is a Christopher Nolan Godzilla epic. And I think what I mean there is pretty straightforward. And I think we see both the good and the bad of that in these first seven episodes. Now in that quick write up, I didn't give a verdict about whether or not I thought this was a good or a bad thing, because honestly I am mixed on it. Um, I'm mixed on these first seven episodes here, though I generally do lean towards the positive on the one hand, as I said, I think the first three episodes are awesome. (laughs) There's like a Jurassic park feel in episode three, especially where the Rodan really become this Raptor like threat. Uh, it feels immediate and really interesting. Mm-hmm. Episode four, though, right after episode three, highlights the issues I have. It's all the exposition. And starting yeah. there, that exposition is delivered in an almost indi- indecipherable way. And lots of times that's through that text messaging. Yeah. I hate that. I hate it's that. It's not a good messaging. way to do it. It's just rough. I understand why it's happening, right? Like, I get it, <laughs> but it's like interspersed within some of that exposition. Maybe we could just do a little bit of character building. Like maybe they, and they, I guess they do try to do that. You know, they had that bet. Um, yeah. Yeah. They try to do that. I just, it's not engaging enough for me to just follow a text message conversation where I'm not quite sure what's happening anyway. Um, now I do think I have a better grasp on the plot the second time around. I'm still left with lingering questions, though. Hopefully, these questions will be answered as we finish uh, the show for next week. And next week, we'll also, I'm sure, talk about themes of the show. I'll be curious how my second viewing will compare with my first in regards to these final episodes. As of now, I don't think I enjoy Singular Point as much as I do the Polygon Godzilla Earth mm. trilogy. Um, those just appeal to my existential philosophical spirit. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's going to be hard to beat those films and what they 
are saying. I, I just love those films. Um, yeah, you but, <laughs> but at the same time, what I do love about you mentioned kind of a criticism that I think we would both have, and we it's, it's a rightful criticism of the anime trilogy is the character design there is weak. Yep. As far as just like establishing characters that immediately stand out and that you remember, the character design is weak, but their motivations and personalities and, and development become fleshed out as the series progresses. Um, and we'll see what happens here with these characters in these final episodes next week. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a bit about general thoughts, but. My review of the first seven episodes overall is that they're, I think they're pretty great. I've enjoyed my viewing this time a good bit more. I think that's partially because this time around, like I really wanted to watch it. <laughs> Whereas last time I I felt like I was watching it out of obligation to not be spoiled. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I was really just wanting to get to Dinah Xenon at the time for some reason. I had like this weird pull towards that, even though I didn't like, I, I liked grid man, but I didn't have like a fascination with it to where I was mm. couldn't wait. Obviously I didn't watch it as it aired. Um, but really like while I like the science in this, uh, I do, you know, I do have a 13th floor podcast that is, we cover a lot of weird science and stuff. I think it is presented a little too fast and it's almost presented in a way that it's like, it's waving its hand, but it's just like it's like okay, here's your science uh, in your text message form. Waves you like waves you along, like move along. It's like okay, well, it, it's going to take a lot more time than that to digest whatever I was just told. Mm-hmm. But again, the characters are visually interesting. Uh, but the stars right now for me are Jet Jaguar and the monsters, and of yeah. course Goro. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, their appearance is just, again, we'll talk about it a little more next week, but when we have all the monsters that we can round up, yep. their appearance are, they're, they're, uh, sorry, their appearances are just so awesome. Godzilla looks nothing like <laughs> you would expect. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't believe this was Godzilla when, yeah. he, when he showed up. Like, the theme goes, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it at first uh, until <laughs> afterwards. Angerus has temporal prediction abilities mm. rodan is like you said that raptor type of terrifying mm-hmm. and i just love what they're doing with everything so far I, I just need some more character development and i'll be pretty satisfied yeah yeah no i i'm i'm with you um i do think you're i i, I like that description of kind of waving your hand <laughs> it's like uh <laughs> They're just kind of expecting us to follow along in a way where it's almost impossible to follow along unless you watch the show more than once. Yeah, right? and I, I I think, you know, I, what I do appreciate is that they have high expectations of their audience, right? Yeah, right. This is something you and me have talked about several times. We hate when we're talked down to by yeah. any type of media. But this has gone a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> in one direction, right? This is an overcorrection. But yeah. I need a little more time with archetypes. Yeah. I need a little more time to understand how all of these things work. Mm-hmm. And not in a text message form that's blazed through in 30 seconds. And it delivers me like a three-month uh, course in college worth of data. <laughs> yeah. It needs to yeah. But it needs to also have just immediate consequences. Like if you're setting up a scientific idea, you need to have immediate consequences with that scientific idea. It needs to matter for the, the course of the show. Yeah. Which I think for the most part we get, but you have to, we have to work as audience members to make those connections, which again is always a bad thing. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'm still left with lingering questions. Right. And this show, unlike some other shows like um, Dino Xenon, even last week, Alex, where we, we still have lingering questions about Dino Xenon, but we know those are questions that are like beyond the scope of the show. Like the show's kind of teasing us with these questions yes. um, to get us to think about that. Here, the show isn't teasing us with questions necessarily as much as presenting a bunch of questions and expecting us to follow along which I just don't personally enjoy as much 
as kind mm-hmm. of this this tease that we get in some other forms of media. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but again, maybe that will be resolved a little bit and won't be as big a critique next week for episodes eight through eight through thirteen. I, I already know some topics we need to discuss. We're going to get into the themes. Um, we'll talk about the ending of the show. Some of the side characters, like BB, we can talk about more. I think next week uh, yeah. we'll talk post credit scene potential for a second season. If we have more praises or complaints, uh, I'm looking forward to it because I already have some things I want to talk about. And we'll also talk about Kaiju redesign and maybe have some bonus awards. Ooh. Cool. Let's uh, no rhyme this week since we're doing the same show next week. But after that, Alex, are we, we doing are... the same show next week? Or are we doing the same show last week, this week, yeah, next exactly. week? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> after that, or maybe right now, when you're listening, <laughs> we, we are doing Evangelion um, and kind of a, a deep dive into Evangelion. We'll explore the show. We'll explore the end of Evangelion movie. And then we'll dive into the four new movies. Not four new movies. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They're new I mean, I mean they're not all new. And but... the brand new movie that all four of those are being released on Amazon Prime on august 12th so you can uh maybe watch those alongside with us as we dive into evangelion so this has really become anime versus men alex yes yes <laughs> weebs versus <laughs> monsters versus hey. weebs <laughs> there you go is that what there it is you go. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always you can follow us on twitter and instagram at mvw underscore pod i mean mvm underscore pod uh on letterbox where alex Cornette and eric neely you can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com support us on patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive those weekly bonus off the cuff episodes like this week marvel versus ben and if you feel so led leave us a review on itunes um we'll, we will read those those reviews uh at the top of the show uh and those reviews really help monsters versus men is produced by alex cornett executive producers are kevin alexander faye basier and michael herndon special thanks to our wives comma rock band for playstation 3 senior honda drew the collector our instagram connector and you the listener for listening until next week Try, Try to, to stay, stay alive. alive. I, I do think people care about archetypes, Alex, just to be clear. They care. <laughs> But do they care? But do they matter? <laughs> Have they cared before or only are they only caring now because they're they're told to care?